Welcome to another episode of Wealthy Teachers. This is Lindsay. Oh, I am Derek. Oh, yes, you are. You surprised me. Um, it was fast. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, hey, <laughs> why not? I thought I'd spice it up. <laughs> um, so we got to spice up this boring topic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's not boring. Topic. It's actually good. Yeah. It's the one that's most ignored, but I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's the most valuable, but it's one I of the better ones. I actually think it's the thing that separates us from like everybody else on the internet. Well, it's valuable to us and our business. <laughs> as like, Well, no, but I meant like doing something that's like actually helpful. Like the reason why it separates us from everyone and makes it awesome is because it's doing good things for people, not because we just benefit. That's so, what I meant. A is for analyze. We're in the last phase of beta. I just wanted to say it before people just like turn it off. Oh in frustration. yeah, they're like we're tuning out on these two <laughs> yeah. crazy people. Yeah. The final part of beta. So we had blueprint, enroll, teach. Now we're in analyze. The A of beta. So we want you to analyze what just happened. You just taught things live. It was fantastic. How'd it go? What worked? What didn't? What's going to happen next time? So that's what this phase is all about. And so basically, we're just making sure we're collecting feedback from our students at every point in their journey. So right when they come in the course, that is your onboarding survey is what we typically call it. Um, It's a mix of, you know, stuff for you as the teacher to know who your student is, what their life is like. Um, It's a great place to get some market research, right? Do you see any Mm -hmm. common themes about what their income levels are? If if you, you know, I don't know, help with business or, you know, whatever, what their favorite show is, maybe if you ask that question. Um, So that's the onboarding. So it has um, a little bit of a marketing piece, like demographic type questions, but then it also has questions that kind of assess where they are currently with your topic. So how well do they know something? How confident are they in on something? Um, And these kind of questions are a great barometer for finding out where your students are as they're coming in. But it's also something that you'll be able to kind of ask them in the future as well, which we'll get to in the final survey. So as they onboard, You also want to ask, so we have the market research kind of demographic questions, the where are they now with their knowledge questions. The last set of questions that you can ask are ones related to like what their goals are in the course, in the program, like why they enrolled, which is great not only for marketing, but it's also just great to have a question that's like, name your top three goals for this course. Because if a person wants a refund Or if they're struggling, you can remind them of like what their goal is. What do they want out of this? What are they looking for? And then you as a teacher can say, am I actually helping them meet that? And you'll actually see too, like some people's goals, like let's just take our course, for example, is like, oh, I want to have a course that becomes my main source of income. It's going to take a while for them to get there, right? It doesn't mean though that I have to deliver on that goal. It's just that's why they're here. And I can start to speak to that in marketing. Um, Mm -hmm. But not even that, just like recognize, oh, this is why people um, are here. And one of them may be to, you know, launch their first course ever. And if we achieve that goal, that's awesome. So I think it's just a great question to um, have that level of like goal setting inspiration type of stuff as well. Right. So So those are the onboarding. Yeah, this is the analyzing of the students as they come in, right? And then uh, as you continue on through the course, your students, you want them to start 
uh, answering questions at every step of the process. And imagine you were teaching live once a week to your students. Maybe you had a Q&A session on top of that once a week. But the second you finished teaching some content, you want to ask them in a survey how to go. What was tough? What did you wish I covered? Uh, how, yeah, how could I improve this content? At ev- again, every step. Not just at the beginning and the end, but get them in the middle. Because right when they experience it, that's when they're going to have the most honest answer to that yes. question. We make that survey really short, just so yes. you know, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's the, Two we want to get it. one question. Exactly. And when you're, um, just kind of a little point, in your beta run of your course in the Mac version, right, that you launched, um, <clears throat> you would have it right after the workshop. So you would actually at the very end of the workshop that you host live, have people fill that out really quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, but we have them still for our current version of BBB. And that's what we've been using to analyze Mm -hmm. our content, which has been great. In BBB, we give the like, yeah, survey templates for your people to use in their courses and um, processes to setting that up and kind of automating it and collecting the information Mm -hmm. as you go. Um, but what about at the end of the course? Everyone probably has an exit survey of some sort. Most or people do, yeah. Most people. You would think if you were going to make a survey for how your course went, you put it at the end. So that's the one most courses probably have. Um, just like, hey, how'd it go? What you wish yeah. I covered? Problem is, if you ask that once at the very end, they're not going to remember what happened in week two if it's now week six they or seven. They have recency bias is what it's called from yes. a like brain perspective. It's like, oh, whatever they most recently remember is the thing they're going to talk about mm-hmm. <laughs> unless it was a big impact on them. So that's the thing is you're not catching those little nuances of your content. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the middle surveys the during the course surveys are really helpful for you. And then the opening and closing are helpful for both of you in different ways, meaning mm-hmm. you as the student as well. Right. Um, but yeah, that that exit survey, I think another kind of type of question we ask on that, that's a little different. I just like to ask questions like, you know, how much of the content did you consume? Like, you know, how on top of it were you? Like questions like that, because I find that when you survey adults, um, Again, they're they're in their own head, right? And they might have their own thoughts that they're bringing to the table. If you get them in the mindset of, you know, I didn't make it to every single call. Like, oh, maybe that's why I didn't actually launch. Instead of blaming it all on the teacher or the curriculum, they're actually looking at their own journey. And so just be thinking about how you can get feedback from them and how you can get them to reflect on where they've been and why. And those questions about their current knowledge when they came in, you want to ask those same questions at the end because then you can compare it and be like, oh, 90% of our students saw growth in this area. Maybe they didn't launch, but they like got closer in this section or whatever. I think it's just important to recognize that like the feedback around the course is not just like completion, right? Like did they watch mm-hmm. every single video? It's like like course completion is like one piece of a puzzle. It's more like did they grow? Did they move from being a D student to a B student? That's awesome. Like maybe mm-hmm. they're not your best testimonial, but that doesn't mean that they didn't grow and get a result. And I think that's the piece that is missing in this space. Everyone's like just finding, oh, I hope someone sends me a, you know, a testimonial that has this epic result. And like we cheer when we get an amazing testimonial for sure. But mm-hmm. there is something to be said for people recognizing that, oh, like now I'm not scared or now I'm not this or like I'm more confident. Those things matter too. Right, right. Yeah, the small wins add up and it makes 
you, your whole course, your course community feel bet, like really good when, you know, you recognize, oh, that's a small win. Um, for our example, maybe it's somebody who, uh, yeah, making their first dollar on the internet is always fantastic mm-hmm. when someone writes that. But even as small as just setting up a business page, they didn't have one before. And now they have spent the time to, to build it because they see yeah. the value of it based on what's happening in BBB. Um, that kind of stuff. Nice wins. Um, important, big steps for somebody starting out. So yeah, don't yeah. discount those as a uh, market, at least not market research, but you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Testimonial stuff. Yeah, I guess. Stuff for yeah. sales page fodder, that kind of thing. Sales page fodder <laughs> and email fodder. Yeah. Um, so the last piece of analyzing is also analyzing your own job as a teacher, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we encourage students to analyze immediately after they host their live workshop. I know it doesn't always happen. A lot of times we're really tired. I know I've been tired from like two hour workshops where I'm like on in front of a camera. But if you can really look at, oh, how'd that session go? Like if just any notes that came into your head about what you would do differently next time, it's going to help you in the next iteration. Right. But even if you don't, the whole step uh, the whole part of of the analyze process is actually rewatching all your <laughs> workshop videos because the final piece of this puzzle is basically re-outlining uh, your content and saying, oh, like I spent too much time on the teach section, right? Like we'll cut this part out or that wasn't helpful. They didn't get that part or I need to come up with a better example here. And so <laughs> then you're actually rewriting an outline to then record your video. So now the after the beta piece um, is actually stepping into making new videos, putting it in a site. And the thing that we think of as a full-blown course has been iterated from actual live experience. Right. So you could just keep a log, like a journal, or take notes in your own um, outline for the the lecture of the day that you were planning on talking about. So at the end, you can jot a few notes, like that went well, that didn't go well, that kind of thing. But I think a lot of value comes from rewatching it. Uh, If you ever play music, you know, listening back to yourself is painful, but it helps you improve immensely if you can listen back uh, or watch yourself back on video for teaching. So yeah, that, that sure. painful step is going to be a huge, huge, huge leap forward in your, your teaching skill, your confidence. Uh, you're going to see things you wouldn't have caught if you hadn't watched it back. Absolutely. For sure. And I think the key with the analyze phase, again, pointing back to like, no one talks about this, but people do do this. Like they'll run a beta and they're like, okay, yeah, that was practice. I'm going to like re-record it and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. great. But like, I don't know very many people who... um successfully put out a course there and like just nailed it out of the park and no students are confused. They have no questions, anything (laughs) like that. Right. Like first time you're running something, it's not the last time that you should pay attention to it. Right. Especially if you care about student results. So you're working towards a set it and forget it, quote unquote, type of situation. But you can't have that right out the gate and not actually serve people well. So just know that running a beta in the process that we've outlined is really the key to improving your course for the next hundred students you have, the next thousand students. Like you're just on the first step of it. It's not the final, final thing. Right. And something besides just yourself and your teachings and your videos that we talk about in Build a Better Beta is to use the Facebook group itself, because you're going to have a lot of feedback and questions and with your answers in that group. And you want to capture that and mold that into 
something that can be used in the next iteration of your course. So you're kind of folding it into your videos and your conversations with students that have been recorded, but then also what happened in the group itself, what was happening in text, maybe even yeah. in DMs. Um, in the, the group, there's tools that we talk about in Build a Better Beta to capture all of that content, organize it, categorize it, say, this is a great question, uh, high priority, make sure this is absolutely addressed because it seemed like lots yep. of people got stuck in this content based on what they were saying in the Facebook group. Um, so we have a yeah, whole way so to scrape teach the whole you. group. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nuance. It's not, well, it's a nuanced process for like going through and like combing mm-hmm. through the content for sure. Yeah. So the key is, is that you're listening to your students. They're telling you what they need, what's missing, what went well throughout this process. And um, it made me think of, you know, I'm not a business person, right? Like I've, I've come into owning a business and I'm learning a lot about being a CEO and all of that stuff. I'm more of an academic. That's how I kind of identify. But um, I'm also a CEO. And I remember learning about Peter Drucker, who's kind of like this famous business guy, who, old school guy. And he has something that says, he has a quote that says, if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. And I think that's what's been missing in this space is a lot of people are measuring the wrong things or they're not measuring at all. So then they Mm -hmm. can't ever improve their courses. And that's weird to me because they want, you know, they want more people to buy their stuff. They want more students, you know, to join. They want it to sell really easily. So making the best product, the best version of your course should be a goal. Like it's going to have an impact on your profitability. Um, And so when, you know, you're, we're both scientists, we come from a background of doing research and and that kind of thing. Derek is a little more hard science, if you will. (laughs) But like, (laughs) we know that if you're not measuring something, right, and you don't get results from something, you can't get better at it, right? And so if you don't give a number to it, assign a value to something, and of course, we're talking about a lot, well, I'm going to get dorky here, but we're talking about a lot of qualitative data, which is data Mm -hmm. of of people's, you know, right, like either interviews or live videos, observations, you're watching transcripts, you're you're not numbers, not numbers. Exactly. We can get Mm -hmm. some numbers Mm -hmm. in our survey data. We talk about like percentages you can get and some things like that. But either way, um, it's still data and qualitative data is also valuable and can be um, coded is what they used in the language that for where I come from. But like, we can see that there are patterns, right? Mm -hmm. When a student says over and over again, they don't get this part. And this is the part that's confusing. That goes in a category that then says this needs to be fixed, right? So all the point being, right, if you're not like keeping score, paying attention, um, you can't tell that you're getting better. Um, The example of like losing weight, if a goal was to lose weight, you know, you should step on the scale, you don't have to step on it every day. There's, you know, there's different schools of thought on that. But like, you have to have something to measure against. Maybe it's not a scale. Maybe it's the way your genes fit. Maybe it's, um, that's a a common one, right? Because we know the number on the scale goes up and down. Um, Or it's inches measured, right? Because sometimes your inches are melting off, but you're not actually like losing pounds. Either way, there needs to be, um, what's the word? Like a basis, like a a record, mm-hmm. um, a starting point and an mm-hmm. in-between point and a, and a end point for you to be able to yep. reference. And, and that's, that if you're not, you can't improve basically. That's what's happening in this analyze phase is we are being course scientists. So what's yeah. the difference between playing and doing science is writing things down. That's the only difference, right? So we want to just keep a record, yep. keep track of things, have students write things down, have you write things down, rewatch your content, write things based on how it went um, and then get it ready for the next batch of 100 students because they're coming and they want a good exactly. product. Exactly. Yeah. And 
I know we've talked about it. We talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but like we're doing that in BBB right now. Like we're mm-hmm. going through all everything, um, a year of running the course using our videos that I mm-hmm. recorded a year ago and I'm going to re-record some of them. I don't have to re-record all of them. A lot of it's pretty good. We're adding some lessons. We're rearranging stuff. We're, you know, putting in more templates or, um, you know, supplementary tools like we're doing a lot of that stuff and that fine tuning i could have never guessed Mm-mm. right like um and so it's been really valuable to read all the feedback from the students from the um especially the mid like module level surveys that we've done um has been just it's been awesome actually and, and it makes you happy too because you recognize most people are doing pretty well and like right. there's nothing like this is the worst thing ever right um right and so you, it does uh stroke your ego a little bit to hear because that you know what they loved about the course as well that's all and i will say this this is a lot of work um if you're yeah. running your beta course and you have between five and 20 students that's that's manageable for one person you yourself as the teacher to go back and look at what students were asking questions about but when we have 100 plus students yeah. it's hard to keep track of 400. all the feedback 400 students yeah we have we have literally a person on our team whose job it is to monitor the facebook group and capture questions and we have a spreadsheet with all the questions um everything because it's just a huge amount of data. And so every once in a while, uh, seasonally, we'll go through and look at the questions and see how can we improve the course. So we're in the middle yeah. of that now. The feedback's amazing. Questions are great. Um, yeah. And so yeah, next, next version's coming out and it's going to be awesome. For sure. So yeah, the <laughs> analyze phase is all about making your course better. Um, when you start with the beta process, when you start knowing that the course is going to get better and better and you put these processes in place and the way to collect data in place, if you're doing it right, you're building the best beta from the beginning so it can be become the best course out there, right? And that's why our process is is so unique. And, right. you know, there's a secret bonus that we could give people as well. Like, you know, by collecting all this feedback. It's not just improving course content, but it's actually has been helping me with my own content marketing. Like Mm -hmm. I can open up those questions and, um, you know, do a Facebook live on a question that a student has had or something that's come up in the course. So it's also (laughs) um, a great place to use marketing um, stuff. And, And like I said, with the onboarding and exit surveys and all that stuff too, there's marketing things, but even just like every question that the student asks, if you keep record of it, that's content that mm-hmm. is outward facing as well. Yeah. Trying to figure out what to write your Facebook post about or go live about every week. There you go. What are your students asking? Talk to the people in yeah. Facebook groups or on your Facebook page about that stuff. Perfect. Exactly. I think all the phases are leading to this analyze phase. And I think if you design mm-hmm. the blueprint and start enrolling people with the understanding that the analyze phase is coming and you teach it live, understanding that the analyze phase is coming, mm-hmm. that you don't have to be perfect because your future self that's their responsibility. You don't have to worry about it right now. Let, mm-hmm. let future you worry about it. And then when you get to the analyze phase, you're done with the teaching. It's behind you. You don't have to enroll people right now. That's behind you. Focus on going through the content, going through your notes, going through questions, make your course better for your and next And then it starts round. all over again because mm-hmm. that's the part too is by going through and analyzing, you're like, wow, this is actually really good. Oh, wow. People got great results. Like, oh, wow, make this tweak and it's going to be even better. Like mm-hmm. as we're tweaking our stuff. I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be so good. It's like, it's so much easier to sell because it it brings up your confidence again because you know, (laughs) it's turning out more awesome. So like every time you go through this process, it might be a lot of work, but it's 
better internally for you confidence as well for like selling and marketing and stuff. So and raising the price because you know and that you spent the price. That's what we're doing. Exactly. All that effort getting this thing nice and polished, more polished. Nothing's perfect. We're going to keep polishing, but it's more polished, more polished, more efficient. Yeah. So that's the analyze phase, the end of the beta framework. That's it. We're done. No, just kidding. There's one more after this, but it's not part of beta. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we felt like setting up the whole framework was like, oh, cool. This is how they see like courses, Mm -hmm. because now we're going to start introducing some interviews um, with successful course creators and also successful teachers turned entrepreneurs. And that'll mm-hmm. that'll be fun. And that will add to this conversation. And then we'll also be adding little things like maybe we'll do an episode on refunds or, yeah. you know, terms and conditions, like all pieces of a course now is coming. But we felt like it would be smart for us to just like, tell you how we kind of see this whole industry and yep. our place in it. So yeah, and then in build a better <laughs> in build a better beta, we actually go one step further with the after the beta and what happens after oh, that. That's yeah. the the next step I was alluding to. But maybe we'll have an episode on that. Maybe not. But that's probably that's, sure. that's the how the content leads into what happens later, and how your course works from there. Yeah. So yeah, um, give us a shout out. Say hey on Instagram, Doctor Lindsay Padilla. Thanks for hanging out. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.